I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're starting Allegiant. That's right, it's the third entry in the Divergent series of shit. And now these are the most confusing books I've ever read. So let's try and recap what we've already read so that I'm less confused going into this. Because I gotta tell you, I've read a lot of shit between when I last read Insurgent, Divergent, and now. The Fifty Shades Freed book sort of killed all of my brain cells, so I need a refresher. So basically, so Divergent, it's this society split into five factions based on personality types. You got one type, that's the smarties. You got one faction, which are the nice people. You got a faction of the people who are obsessed with law. (laughs) You've got a faction of people who are brave and a faction of people who are selfless. And they base their whole life around that identified personality trait. I'm sorry, if you're smart, you can also not be kind. If you're brave, you gotta be dumb. If you're selfless, you also have to be dumb and cowardly and mean and a liar, apparently. Okay, so kids get raised in these factions and then they get a choice when they turn 16 or whatever to pick whatever faction they want after doing a test where they get injected with a serum and then they go through like a choosing initiation ceremony. I don't don't really know. But the whole thing is they get to choose what faction they want to be in, but then everyone's like, what? You chose a different faction and that's a whole big deal. Anyway, so Tris, she's special because she's divergent, meaning that she could belong into more than one faction. And also some serums don't work on her. Even though we've seen a lot of serums work on her, apparently her brain's different. So she's like serum resistant. So the first book's about her going to Dauntless jumping off of bridges and towers and zip lining and having fun until there's a, a rebellion. With the erudite, the smarties trying to take over. So then in the second book, she's now a bit of a rebel. She floats around the different factions. She killed Will, which is a big deal. Will was her friend from school and he was under a serum. And so she shot him and then she was like, oh no, I feel so guilty about it. Even though she could have just shot him in the leg. That was one of my little bones of contention for the last book. Triss has been getting it on with this hot guy called Four, who was her teacher, and now they're in a relationship, so that's that's a bit odd. And Four's mum, she is leading the factionless, which are the people who have sort of rebelled from the faction system. They were living underground, they were starving, they were poor, they were hungry, but then they flipped it, and now they're the aggressors. Some erudite called Janine, she was trying to run things, but then Four's mum comes up and I think executes Janine. Someone kills Janine. I think the tattoo artist 
who ran Beatrice's test, ended up killing Jeanette. Oh, it's so stupid. But it's all coming back to me. Okay. But the thing is, Insurgent ended with Triss releasing a video to the public, which is like her ancestor volunteering to go into Chicago because they've locked off the entire city of Chicago for this experiment because there's some sort of post-apocalyptic cataclysmic event happening in the outside world and society was so broken they needed to have this experiment (laughs) where people are split into five different personality types in order to create divergent people. That's the thing because Triss isn't the only divergent person. Apparently like everyone's divergent. And as soon as enough divergent people were created, a new generation of divergent people came that would trigger them to know to go back out into society to help, I don't know, prevent whatever catastrophes going on out there, which is, which is a weird game plan. Like the outside world put all their last hopes into to this experiment that would take generations to occur. Like, I don't understand. Anyway, so she, she played the video, Four's mum's overtaken, and now she's locked up in jail because she played the video. So she's a traitor or something. Okay, so let's get into it. Oh, what a, ho- what a horrible plot. So we have an epigraph. It says, every question that can be answered must be. You watch. There's going to be so many questions at the end of this book that are unanswered. Answered or at least engaged. Illogical thought processes must be challenged when they arise. You can bet I'll be doing that, Veronica. Every illogical plot device I'll be calling out as it arises. Wrong answers must be corrected. Yeah, he's hoping. And correct answers must be affirmed. And that's from the Erudite Faction Manifesto. That, that really enhances my reading experience, this epigraph. How self-indulgent are epigraphs, by the way? Like, they, they give me nothing. So this book's a bit different because we used to always be in Triss's perspective, her POV. Now we seem to be alternating between her and four. So chapter one is Triss. She's in her cell in Erudite headquarters and she's replaying in her mind the video that was played. And the person in it was saying, my name will be Edith Pryor and there is much I am happy to forget. So these people were going into the experiment with their minds wiped and taking on new identities. And Pryor is her last name. So she's like, who dat? And Christina's in the cell with her. Now, Christina's her friend who was also dating Will, who was that guy that Tris murdered. So things have been pretty rocky with them. So Christina's like, who is she? Is she a grandma? What's going on? And Tris goes, I told you, no. <laughs> so stroppy out of the gate. She goes, Pryor was my father's name. So it would have to be on his side of the family. But Edith is an abnegation name. And my father's relatives have been erudite, so I'm confused. So she's saying that this long lost relative can't exist because Pryor's an erudite name, Edith's an abnegation name. But that logic's so flawed because the whole point of this society is that you can change factions. So some Doris called Edith probably changed factions. So it's not like every single person named Edith has to be an abnegation. Like people swap. People swap factions all the time. They act like it's so crazy to swap factions, but like the, that's the key point of the initiation and choosing ceremony. Oh, I gotta, I gotta move on. Okay, so then Kara, who is Will's sister, she's also in the cell. And I, how awkward for Tris, by the way, that she's hanging out with Christina and Kara, the two people that loved Will the most, and here she is having killed Will. Like, oh, that's awkward. Okay, so Kara says she must be older then, if you don't know her, she's saying she must be a few generations back, an ancestor, which doesn't make sense to me because yeah, why would, why would you wait generations for this divergence to occur? Is everyone on the outside world just pressing pause while this experiment's running? But I think 
I think they're not actually ancestors. I don't know if this has been said or if it's just a theory, but I think it's actually only been like 20 years, not a hundred. And that's evidenced by the fact that like that giant Ferris wheel in Chicago is still up and running. We've got elevators and abandoned buildings just still working, good as new. So we're all very unclear on how long this experiment's been running. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's not been that long at all. So Triss is looking over at Kara and she reminds us that Kara is Will's sister. She says, from this angle, she looks just like her brother, Will, my friend, the one I shot. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I did remember Will. I appreciate the reminders, but th- it's hard to forget that one. And I love how bluntly she puts it. Oh yeah, she looks like Will, that guy I shot. <laughs> so Triss thinks about her ancestor. She says, this is the inheritance she passed to me. Freedom from the factions and the knowledge that my divergent identity is more important than I could have known. It's like, well, no, she hasn't really given you freedom from the factions since she went into this locked city and gave birth to, I don't know, your grandma or something, which has resulted in you being trapped in this faction system. But Triss is spinning it in a more positive way, so good for her. She says, my existence is a signal that we need to leave this city and offer our help to whoever is outside it because she's divergent so that she's the key. She's the key. Even though I think her mum was divergent. So there's been divergent people floating around for fucking years. I don't know why we got to wait for Triss because she's more special. Apparently she's more special. So the way they're having this conversation sort of seems like the video just got played. It's fresh in their minds and they're chatting about it. But then it's revealed that they've been in this cell for days and they, they don't even know how long they've been in there for. It's been that long. And Triss is complaining that Tobias hasn't visited them because Tobias is free because he's pretending to be in, aligned with the factionless, AKA his mum. But we don't know if we can really trust him at this point. And he doesn't know if he can trust Triss because she went behind his back to work with his dad who had abused for, so uh, whole fucking mess. But in all the chaos of the end of last book, apparently he said to her, trust me. And so now she's trusting him, but it's a struggle because she doesn't know if she actually can trust him. Oh my God, this fucking book. And that's, and that's the end of the first chapter. She ends by being like, I need to see what's outside the fence. And so yeah, you've been outside the fence, actually. I mean, isn't the Amity compound outside the fence? You did an excursion to outside the fence in the first book. All the farming is outside of the fence, but she's like, I gotta get out there. You've been out there. So then we go to chapter two and it's Tobias's POV. And I gotta say, for two different characters, they have the same sort of vocal patterns. They, they, they have the same voice. Although Tobias sort of leans more into the shitty schlocky metaphors. And I'll be pointing some of them out along the way, just you wait. And so he's walking around the erudite compound, which has been taken over by the factionless, thinking about how much he hates it because he was a prisoner here. And also Triss was a prisoner here and she almost got executed here. Oh, that's another thing. Triss's brother, Caleb, was an erudite and turned on her and pretty much signed her up for execution, but she got out of it. So if I were Triss, I'd be pissed at Caleb as well. And I think he's still alive and kicking, floating around somewhere. So we'll see what happens with him. So Four walks up to Triss's cell and it says, I am admitted without question because I bear the factionless symbol, an empty circle on a black band around my arm and Evelyn's features on my face. <laughs> How much does he actually look like his mum? That's, that's so specific. And if you've got the factionless band around your arm, do you need to also look like your mum? I feel like if you, if you're just letting people with a factionless band on their arm, which is just a simple empty circle on a black band, maybe there should be more security if, if they're walking into the prison section. 
So he says, Triss crouches on the ground inside, shoulder to shoulder with Christina and diagonal from Kara. Do I, do I need to know that she's diagonally seated across from Kara? What a random detail to give me. And then he says, my Triss should look pale and small because she is pale and small, but instead the room is full of her. What the fuck does that mean? Is he calling her fat? No, he can't be. I get what he's saying. She's got a presence to her, but does that presence negate her from being pale? What's that? I don't understand what he's talking about. She should be pale and small and she is. Okay. But instead the room is full of her. So she is pale and small, but you're implying to me that she, she's not pale and small by saying she should look pale and small, but you said she is pale and small, but what's that got to do with her filling the room? And you, I know she's not filling the room because she's seated uh, uh, diagonally across from Kara. So she hasn't expanded to occupy the whole room. What? What? And he says her round eyes find mine. It's like, uh, was it hard to find you coming, coming in through the entrance of this tiny cell? And he hugs her. And he squeezes her shoulder with one hand and runs another hand over her hair. And it says, still surprised when her hair stops above her neck instead of below it. I was happy when she cut it because it was hair for a warrior and not a girl. Okay. And I knew that was what she would need. Which just seems like an awkward way to tell us that she's got short hair. But she cut her hair before I think her and Four even got together because he was still her teacher. She cut her hair in like chapter six and, and he's like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm still surprised at your short hair. What? And here I am thinking that Triss has these special powers. Her divergence is what makes her special. But no, now that she's got a haircut, she can take on the world. Now that she's got a masculine presenting haircut, she's fine. She can be a warrior now. It's got nothing to do with her brain or how she encompasses more than one of the factions. She's got a haircut. So she's, she's going to be all set. And she's like, how'd you get in? And he goes, oh, because I'm Tobias Eaton. I share the same facial features as my mother and I've got a black armband around my arm. So, you know, and she goes, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. Where the fuck have you been? Is what I'd be saying. I'd be like, it's, it's been a week. Where you been? And she might be a little bit miffed because he says she pulls away just far enough to look at me. There is a wavering expression in her eyes. Like she is a heap of leaves about to be scattered by the wind. What? what? Okay. She, <laughs> Now she's wavering like she's a pile of leaves. What the fuck? You just told me she's got a warrior haircut, but now she's also wavering like a pile of leaves in the wind. What the fuck? And she says, what happened? What took you so long? And he goes, ah, oh, you know, I don't actually think he explains. He just goes, ah, oh, you know, got here when I could. He explains that Evelyn has the city under lockdown. No one is to go a step in any direction without her say so. And a few days ago, she gave a speech about uniting against our oppressors, meaning the people outside. He says, Evelyn thinks we shouldn't leave the city just to help a bunch of people who shoved us in here so they could use us later. They want to try and heal the city and solve their own problems instead of leaving to solve other people's. And he goes, I'm paraphrasing, of course. And it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. I didn't think you were out here reading a transcript of what Evelyn said. And he does sidebar and say, I think this just suits Evelyn's purposes. She doesn't want people to leave because then she's no longer in charge and that's where she gets her power from. And Triss goes, of course she would choose the most selfish route possible, which I think is a dig because she was abnegation, but then she left abnegation, indicating that she's selfish forever because she left the selfless faction. Seems like a pretty rough dig. I mean, this person's killed people. 
She's locked you up in a cell for trying to reveal the truth to the whole of Chicago. And yet the only thing that you can call her out on is being selfish. Hmm. And Christina, she's like, yeah, well, you know what? She might have a point. I want to see what's outside of the city as well, but we got a lot on our plate right here. You know, we've got to solve our own problems first. How are we supposed to help a bunch of people we've never met? What makes you think those people out there still exist? There could be nobody out there for all we know. And I wouldn't be surprised because these are the people that were on death's door. There was some sort of cataclysmic event and they said, I know what we'll do. We'll lock a few people up. We'll wipe their minds. We'll split them into factions based on personalities. And then we'll just wait for 60 to 80 years and see what happens. We've got all the technology to do that. We've got the technology to run these little mind games, but let's not use that technology for anything else. Let's just lock them up in Chicago, just build a huge old fence around the whole city and we'll touch base in a hundred years. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if those people have died out. And so Four's starting to get a bit nervous because he thinks he's been there too long. Apparently he told his mum that he was only going there to break up with Triss. And that's the only reason she let him go to visit the cell to visit Triss. Why, do, why, why would you need to break up with her? That's, what did he say to his mum to try and get that one past her? Was he like, oh, mum, I really need closure. I feel like I need to see her in person and break it off in person in order to move forward. Like, wouldn't you just, if you really wanted to break up with her, she's in a cell, just don't visit her then. I don't, and he's like, oh no, she's going to be suspicious. I think she's already suspicious, mate, because this is very suspicious behavior. He says, listen, I mostly came to warn you They're starting the trials for all the prisoners. They're going to put you all under truth serum. Oh God. How many times are they going to say serum in this book? Take your bets. I'm not going to count because I don't have that capacity, but like, oh my God, they're going to talk about it a lot. Serum this and serum that. He says, okay, if the truth serum works, you'll be convicted as traitors. I think we would all like to avoid that. And Tris is like, traitors for what? Showing a video. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, it was an act of defiance against your leaders. That's, that's what being a traitor is. He says, Evelyn and her followers don't want to leave the city. They won't thank you for showing that video. And she goes, oh, they're just like Janine. So even though Janine's dead now, she's still living rent free in Triss's mind. And now Four's thinking, oh, I don't want to say it, but part of me agrees with my mother. I don't know the people outside this city anything. Whether I am divergent or not, he is. I'm not sure I want to offer myself to them to solve humanity's problems, whatever that means. But then he says, but I do want to leave in the desperate way that an animal wants to escape a trap, wild and rabid, ready to gnaw through bone. So he says, I'm not sure I want to leave or not, but I do want to leave like a rabid animal. Like what the, well, which is it then for? Which is it? He's like, I don't even really know if I want to leave, but yes, I do. I do like an animal in a trap. I'm gnawing through bone. I so desperately want to leave, but also my mum has got a point. So Kara, she's like, what do you mean? Like if the truth serum works and Tris points at her head and goes divergent, remember like, what a humble brag. You don't need a point to your head to demonstrate that. She's like, it's me. Hi, I'm divergent. It's me. And Kara, because she's an erudite, I think. So she's all super smart. And she goes, interesting, but atypical. In my experience, most divergent can't resist the truth serum. I wonder why you can. What do you mean in her experience? Was she administering truth serum to many divergent people. Maybe she was, I don't, I don't quite remember that, but I love how she's shocked by this, but also is an expert in the field of this topic. She's like, what, you're divergent? You can resist truth serum? Well, in my experience, only a couple of my test subjects ever evaded the truth serum. So I don't know why I'm shocked. 
So Tris goes, okay, what's the plan? And he says, I'll get Evelyn to let you testify first of the three of you. All you have to do is come up with a lie that will exonerate both Christina and Kara and then tell it under truth serum. Okay, easy. (laughs) I think he's sort of assuming that as soon as Tris testifies, she lies through the truth serum. She says whatever alibi for Christina and Kara. Then what, Christina and Kara won't be given the truth serum and won't have an opportunity to contradict her? Whoever's running the trial will just like do Tris and be like, oh, well, actually that, that clears Christina and Kara. They're, they're fine. Let's go to lunch. And Tris says, well, what kind of lie would do that? And he goes, I thought I'd leave that up to you since you're the better liar, <gasps> which is a barb. He's trying to hurt her for hurting him, for working with his dad. And she just says, okay, yeah, sure. All right, I'll think of something. She doesn't rise to the bait. So then he holds her hand. And he describes her palm as being tacky with moisture and his rough in places where I have grabbed too many handles on too many moving trains. Oh my God, the trains. I forgot about the trains. So the trains run throughout the city 24 seven. They never stop. They don't stop at any platforms. You have to run and jump on to the train if you want to catch it. Even though there are train drivers, we found out. It's never been explained to me like why this is the case, but apparently they go so fast that he's developed calluses on his hands from running and grabbing onto poles, trying to haul himself up into the train carriage. So then they kiss and he says, I think of something to say, but it is too intimate. So I swallow it. But then I decide I don't care. So he says it anyway. And he says, I wish we were alone. And she says, I almost always wish that. Meanwhile, Christina and Kara are like, okay, well, we'll just go fuck ourselves then. What an odd thing to say. Like, you could just say, I love you. Um, hopefully see you soon. Good luck with the truth serum. But now he's going to say, I wish we were alone. Sort of implying to me that he wishes they could bone in the cell. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to have sex with someone who's been locked up in a cell for days on end. Like she did say that she's showered a couple of times, but still, I don't know if she'd be that fresh. And, and he wants to root her in, in the cell. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Is that what he's saying? I don't, I don't know. So that's the end of that chapter. We go to chapter three. It's Triss again. And so she's had the truth serum. We're now in the trial. And she says, I think you're all idiots. You should be thanking me, not questioning me. And Evelyn says, why should we thank you? And Evelyn points out that Triss tried to prevent one of the faction leaders from killing Janine Matthews. So she's like, why'd you, why'd you try and prevent the killing of the tyrant? You behaved like a traitor. And she says, oh, I'm not a traitor. At the time, I believed that Marcus was working under dauntless factionless orders. Since I couldn't join the fight as a soldier, I was happy to help with something else. What? That's the great lie that she came up with. I don't even understand it. And so Evelyn, she goes, well, why couldn't you be a soldier? Which I don't think is the question she should be asking. She should be like, can you say that again? Cause that doesn't make no sense. But no, she says, why couldn't you be a soldier? And so Tris, she's like, I got to ham this up. I'm going to ham this up, really sell it to them. So she bites her lip as if she's trying to stop the words from coming out. She goes, because, because I couldn't hold a gun. Okay. Not after shooting my friend, Will. <laughs> I couldn't hold a gun without panicking. Yeah, because she had PTSD over killing Will, which I think she got over eventually. But so now she's using that for her own defenses, which is a weird thing to bring up in a trial, just like admitting you killed someone. I'd kind of wouldn't do that. But she's like, I'm innocent. I'm innocent because I couldn't hold a gun because I killed someone. That means I'm innocent. And so then she's like playing it up. But Evelyn's eyes pinch tighter. And Tris says, I suspect that even in the softest parts of her, there is no sympathy for me. What, sympathy that you had PTSD and couldn't fire a gun after you killed an innocent person? Why would she be feeling sympathetic? And Evelyn, I think, thinks Tris is a dummy because she clarifies and she goes, okay, so Marcus told you that he was working under my orders and even knowing what you do about his rather tense relationship with both the Dauntless and the Factionless, you believed him. And also the tense relationship between her and him because they used to be married and he was abusive and she escaped and faked her death, I believe as well. Like that didn't raise a red flag with you, Tris, like in this hypothetical. And Tris goes, oh, <laughs> I don't know, I guess. And Evelyn's like, oh, wow. I can see why you didn't choose erudite, which is just like the divergent way to make fun of someone for being dumb. And even though Tris is lying, she still feels offended by that. She says, my cheeks tingle. I would like to slap her. You, you're playing dumb. That's your alibi. And she's like, how dare she think that I'm dumb? It's like, what? You, I thought, I thought that's what you wanted. And Evelyn says, why didn't you tell anybody about not being able to fire a gun? And she says, I didn't want to have to admit any weaknesses. And she goes, but by the way, I brought you guys the truth about our city and the reason we're in it. If you aren't thanking me, you should at least do something about it instead of sitting here on this mess that you made, pretending it's a throne. <gasps> Snap. And Evelyn's like, bitch, I was abnegation. So I already knew the truth before you even found out about it. So relax. But she says, I don't know how you're getting away with this, but I promise you, you will not have a place in my new world, especially not with my son. Because Evelyn thinks that four went to the cell to break up with her, but she knows that that's not the case. And that makes Tris smile. She's like, oh my God, this dummy doesn't know that I'm still dating her son. What a loser. 
And Evelyn's like, I'm done with this. She goes, okay, the truth serum has revealed that while you may be a fool, you are no traitor. So you can go. The interrogation's over. What? You've got someone under truth serum and you're not going to ask any more follow-up questions. That's it. And I don't even think Triss got to the alibi for Christina and Kara yet because she's like, oh, well, what, what about my friends? Um, they didn't do anything wrong either, by the way. And she goes, yeah, we'll deal with them soon. So I don't even think Christina and Kara are getting interrogated or if they are, like, aren't they going to be fucked? Won't they just be like, oh, Triss lied. <laughs> Four came to our cell last night and told Triss to tell a lie. She can avoid truth serums because she's divergent. Won't that all just come like rushing out of their mouths? But I don't, <laughs> we'd never witness it. So Evelyn, I, I don't think you should be shading anyone else for not being erudite because you're a bit of a dummy too. Like if you're going to be a tyrant, be a better tyrant. So interrogation over, Uriah grabs her. Uriah was her old little dauntless friend. I think he's divergent as well because everybody is. So he takes her into the elevator and when they're alone, she goes, was that a bit too much? And he's like, no, yeah, I guess you did a great job. Well done, Triss. If you weren't hot-headed, Evelyn would have been suspicious. So now that that one hurdle has been passed, she's feeling positive about them just like escaping the city. She says, I feel like everything inside me is vibrating with energy in anticipation of what is to come. I am free. (laughs) Not yet. Well, I mean, technically, but you still can't leave the city. It's still got a huge locked fence around it. She goes, I'm free. We're going to find a way out of the city. No more waiting, pacing a cell, demanding answers that I won't get from guards. Okay. And then she says, Immediately after, she says, the guards did tell me a few things this morning, though, about the new factionless order. It's like, what? You just, (sighs) she's just like, oh my God, I can't wait to be free and not have to worry about not getting information from guards. Full stop. The guards did tell me a few things. Like what? You just contradicted yourself. But what she heard from the guards was the lay of the land is former faction members are required to move closer to the erudite headquarters and to mix no more than four members of a particular faction are allowed to hang out anymore. And they have to mix all their clothing up because each different faction had different color combinations. So now she's wearing a yellow Amity shirt and black Kanda pants, which is just such a fashion foul. You can tell she's like super uncomfortable with it. I love that Evelyn thinks that this is going to solve all their problems. She just said like, oh, we can't go outside of the city. We have to stay here and fix our own problems. First thing we'll do, we'll, we'll make everybody swap clothes. Second thing we'll do, uh, we, we won't let people hang out with their friends and family. They'll have to split up and hang out with people that they don't know. Done. <laughs> She's like, I, I did it. I fixed it. So Uriah walks her over to the erudite initiate dormitory. That's where she's set up. And she says, sitting on a bed near the door are three girls in red shirts. Amity girls, I would guess. It's like, what? I thought we're not identifying people by the color of their clothes anymore. And then she says, and on the left side of the room was an older woman, her spectacles dangling from one ear. And she goes, probably erudite because only erudite would wear glasses because they're the smart ones. (laughs) So fucking dumb. And she says, I know I should try to stop putting people in factions when I see them, but it's an old habit, hard to break. Although she's never really had to look at someone and guess what faction they are because They're wearing color-coded clothes. Everyone was always very upfront with what faction they're in, but she's like, it's a hard habit for me to break, you know, predicting what people's factions are. Well, no wonder you always get it correct. And so Uriah says Christina and Kara shouldn't be far off. It just takes a while for them to be exonerated. So I, I don't know how they're being exonerated. They can't escape the truth serum, but I guess they will. I guess they will. I just, what a plot hole. Or at least like, 
I'd still be worried. If I were Tris, I'd still be worried that Kara and Christina might let the cat out of the bag during the truth serum interrogation. But no, she's not worried. She's not worried at all because she just said, what about my friends? They didn't do anything. (laughs) And so I guess they think she's telling the truth, but still you double check, especially because Tris is a famous divergent. They know who Tris is. She's the bloody mockingjay of divergent people. Like she's not really undercover. I'd still double check, but anyway, okay. So she's not even worried at all. She says, for a moment, I feel relieved that everyone I care about will be out of prison by tonight. (laughs) But then she remembers that Caleb is still in prison. So that's where Caleb is. He's there because he was a well-known lackey of Janine. So he's probably not gonna get out of prison. And she's like, well, it doesn't matter. I don't care about him. But then she changes her mind and she goes, it's a lie. I'm lying to myself. He's still my brother. Even though he pretty much tried to kill you, but okay. And so then she says to Uriah, how you going with, you know, Lynn and everything. So Lynn and Marlene died. I forget who they are, but I do remember their names. So Lynn and Marlene are dead. Uriah was close with them and he's like, yeah, it's pretty tough. How do you think I'm going? He says, I don't want to talk about it. And she goes, okay, well, let me know if you need anything. And he's like, what, what would you, what would you be able to give me? And he says, oh, I always forgot to tell you. Four said he wants to meet you later. And she's like, really? When? Where? And he goes, a little after 10 at Millennium Park on the lawn. And he says, don't get too excited. Your head will explode. And that's the end of that chapter. So she's really jazzed that four left her a secret message. And it's like, yeah, it'd be weird if he didn't try and get a message to you because you're dating. He only fake broke up with you for fake closure. So then we go to chapter four, we're with Tobias again. And he says, my mother always sits on the edges of things, chairs, ledges, tables, as if she suspects she will have to flee in an instant. I love how he says this, like, oh, my mother always does this, even though she faked her death when he was a kid. And then I believe he thought she was dead for a large chunk of his adolescence. And now she's back in his life and he's, he's already clocked her, as always sitting on the edges of things. And so this time it's Janine's old desk. She's just leaning on the edge. And he describes her as a woman of muscle twisted around bone. All right. Okay, sure. And so Evelyn goes, I think we have to talk about your loyalty. Ultimately, it was you who helped Triss and got the video released. No one else knows that, but I know it. And Four's like, oh, that? I didn't know what was going on. I just trusted Triss's judgment more than my own. And then that's all. And he thinks, I thought telling Evelyn that I broke up with Triss would make it easier for her to trust me. And I was right. She has been war, (laughs) listen to this. She has been warmer, more open, Ever since I told that lie, it's like, what? This is her being warm? She's leaning on the edge of a desk, muscle twisted around bone. And she's saying, we need to talk. We need to talk about your loyalty. And that's her being warm. And then she says, okay, well, now that you've seen the footage, what do you want to do? Do you think we should leave the city? And she's like testing him. And so he says, oh, nah, don't really know what's out there. So it'd be pretty dangerous if we left the city. And she's like, hmm, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay. And then get this. She says, I've been receiving disturbing reports of a rebel organization among us. And then she's like, people always organize into groups. It happens. That's a fact of existence. I just didn't expect it to happen this quickly. And Four goes, okay, what kind of organization? And she says, the kind that wants to leave the city. They released some kind of manifesto this morning. Uh, Why are these rebel groups always posting manifestos. They're doing up pamphlets and letterboxing them around the city. Can people not just like mobilize 
through word of mouth anymore. It's, uh, there's always a manifesto. And so she says, they call themselves the Allegiant. And Four looks confused and she goes, because they're allied with the original purpose of our city. Like, huh? Huh? And she even says, see? Which is just Veronica Roth being like, huh? Huh? I thought of a word to name the book. Okay, and so the definition of a legion is loyal, faithful, steadfast to a cause or person. I don't really think it's tied to the word allied, like she seems to be implying. And then Tobias catches us up to speed. He says, oh, the original purpose. By that you mean what Edith Pryor mentioned in the video, that we should send people outside when the city has a large divergent population. And she goes, yes, exactly that. But also living in factions. The Allegiant claim that we're meant to be in factions because we've been in them since the beginning. Like, oh, okay, thanks guys for that tag team refresher course of what the faction system is and explaining to us this Allegiant nickname for the Allegiant faction. (laughs) They could have called themselves anything. Loyalists, anything, anything. But no, they call themselves Allegiant. No wonder they had to publish a manifesto. They probably had to include a whole definition on the first page. Because if you said to someone, hey, join the Allegiance, they'd be like, excuse me? What a horrible name. Bad branding. Really bad branding. And Four says, with the factions dismantled, part of me has felt like a man released from a long imprisonment. He says, I don't have to evaluate whether every thought I have or choice I make fits into a narrow ideology. I don't want the factions back. Yeah, because it's a stupid way to live. So you'd think he'd be happy with that scenario, but then he goes, but Evelyn hasn't liberated us like she thinks. She's just made us all factionless, which is a faction of its own. He says she's afraid of what we would choose if we were given actual freedom. And that means that no matter what I believe about the factions, I'm relieved that someone somewhere is defying her. So he's saying he's freed from the factions, but he's not free to pick a faction. So it's not actual freedom. I'm so lost. So then he arranges his face into an empty expression, which must be hard. And he says, I have had to be careful to stay in Evelyn's good graces. It's easy for me to lie to everyone else, but it's more difficult to lie to her. Even though he's been lying to her for the past few chapters. Since this book started, he's been lying to her, pretending that he's going to go break up with his girlfriend in jail just to get closure, even though her trial is the next day. So it could have waited. When he said that to Evelyn, you didn't think she'd be like, oh, we're we're putting her on trial tomorrow. Maybe you could just hold off. Maybe get closure in the dorm rooms. You don't need to go into the prison cells. But okay, so he's, he's having trouble lying to her, even though he has been lying to her pretty consistently. And so he says, all right, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about the Allegiant? And she says, I'm going to get them under control. What else? And so for, he's like, oh no, what does she mean by control? Probably means needles and serums and simulations. He's like, oh boy. And so he says, will you use simulations? And she goes, of course not. I'm not Janine Matthews. And she's all angry. And he goes, hey bitch, I barely know you because you faked your death and you walked out on me when I was a kid in an abusive home. And she's like, oh yeah, (laughs) forgot about that. And she goes, fine. Okay, well, let me tell you then that I will never, never resort to simulations to get my way. Death would be better. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if it would be better. She's pretty much just saying, I'm not gonna knock anyone out with serums, even though she did just use a truth serum like five minutes ago. She's like, I'm not gonna use simulations and serums. I'd rather kill people. It's like, oh, thanks. That makes me feel better. And Four's like, 
yeah, I, you know what? She probably will kill people instead. He thinks whoever the Allegiant are, they need to be warned and quickly. Well, it shouldn't be too hard to find out who they are since they're dropping around manifestos. And so Force says, all right, well, I'll find out who they are. And she goes, yeah, that's why I'm telling you about them, idiot, so that you will go and do that. And he's like, okay, okay. And then he says what I think is just the funniest sentence in the world because it's just like 18 words too long. So he says, there are plenty of reasons she would tell me to test me, to catch me, to feed me false information. I know what my mother is, ready? She is someone for whom the end of a thing justifies the means of getting there. He could have just said, she's someone for whom the ends justifies the means, but he's got to really explain that to us. She is someone for whom the end of a thing justifies the means of getting there. Like, oh my God, bitch, can you cut out a few words? And he says, okay, I'll do it. I'll go and find them. And she's like, yeah, good, thanks. Again, that's why I brought it up. So then he's looking at her and he gets like a, I don't know, a rush of love for his mother. And he feels like he's betrayed her. But then he leaves Erudite headquarters and he's wearing a gray shirt, blue jeans and black shoes. So like, whoa, (laughs) we don't know who he is. We don't know what personality trait he defines himself with the most. And he says, these are my new clothes, but beneath them, I have my dauntless tattoos. It's impossible to erase my choices, especially these. And, I, and that's the end of the chapter. So it's meant to like be impactful, but what's he talking about there? It's impossible to erase my choices, especially these. Is he referring to the tattoos? Is he saying it's impossible for him to not be dauntless? And yet he is divergent. So it is possible. Uh, I'm trying to make sense out of the senseless. So let's leave it there. Veronica Roth sort of really threw us in the deep end with this, didn't she? Like, I'm just, I'm getting so confused. If you can explain any of these plot points to me, please reach out and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.